0: To be selfless does not mean and should not mean that you erase yourself. welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it each episode I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right, we have all been miseducated. In this episode I want to discuss heartbreak through my own personal experience and lessons I've learned and how it led me to write The Other Side. So, without further ado, let's get into it. First thingy, let's adjust the elephant in the room. I have released a single. Oh my gosh. It's exciting. Um, I've released a single. I have released a song called The Other Side, and if God willing, everything has gone to plan. You'll be able to stream the song and listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, all those good places. And yeah, I'm really excited and I'm excited of what this is gonna do, what this is gonna bring. Like, I've just wanted to release music for a really, really long time and I'm excited to see where this goes and how people... Respond to it and how they take it. Um, And yeah, so if you haven't already, if you didn't know, then yeah, I have a song. I will definitely be linking it in the description of this episode so that you can go listen to it. But anyway, let's get into this episode. I guess I bring up the other side because. It was a song that was birthed out of heartbreak and it's not a heartbreak song. It's not a song about heartbreak. It's a song about consolidation. It's a song about recognition, the nitty gritty truth, and most importantly, hope. And I think without knowing it, I think it encompasses a lot of the lessons that I learned through throughout this kind of time of heartbreak. Um, so, here are three lessons that I learned from heartbreak. Lesson number one. Before I tell you what lesson number one is, I think lesson number one needs some context. So when the breakup happened earlier this year, I... My response was wrapped up in denial and shock. I was in a place of denial and shock for a really long time. Longer than I really want to admit. Because in my head, I was being very rational about the breakup. I was being very put together about it. I was trying to be the best ex-girlfriend that I could be. The reason... I had convinced myself that the breakup was mutual. It was the best thing for the both of us as individuals. And so in order for that to be honoured, I had to continue being the best individual I could be. Distract myself with university work. Distract myself with the work that I was also doing on campus. Distract myself with my podcast. Distract myself with my blog. Distract myself with creativity and different things in between. Like, I was just so busy. There was no time to think about it. There was no time to feel sad about it, because there was no point in being sad about it. Why should I feel sad about something that was the best possible outcome for the both of us? That's how my brain interpreted it. I had to be the best possible version of myself that I could be. And I think that in even though that's the way that my mind and my body responded, the counter argument for that response was anger. Anger became my best friend. Let me tell you something. Anger? <laughs> I've never felt anger like that before. It was my best friend. It. Was, I don't even think you understand right now what I'm saying. Anger? mm was my best friend, became my best friend because it was the only validating thing that was, yeah, validating how I was feeling, that was validating the real, real deep, dark truth and pain that I was feeling. I was so angry about the breakup so 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 angry about the breakup that I felt like I could physically do damage like I I scream and I shout a lot and I can raise my voice and all that different stuff but no 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 no. this was a different level of anger this was like I really could do like I wanted to fight I wanted to fight like I would wake up in the morning and just be like I'm ready to fight if someone crosses me today I will fight them my and I realize now, in retrospection, that my anger was my response to my denial. I was denying myself the right to feel the intensity of the hurt that I was experiencing, and I was hurt. I was so, 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 so hurt. And I think for a long time, even though I was, anger was my best friend. It was so comforting to me. I still kind of buried the anger and didn't let people know how angry I was. Again, my response was very automated. I would happily tell people, oh, you know, it just didn't work out. It was a mutual decision. So many different factors. I was very calm, cool, collected about it. Very unemotional about it. I tried to be very unemotional about it. Very detached from it. Um, And I found myself positioning myself as somehow the person that was comforting other people over my breakup, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds a bit weird, but like I did find myself in that position where I was like, no, 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 it's okay. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I found myself in that, that position And that experience made me even more angrier. But again, I suppressed the anger. I suppressed the anger. It was like anger was hitting back at the denial. The denial and the automated unattached emotional response was hitting back at each other. And it was this war and conflict between the both of them for months. And I guess I tried to, not I guess, I know, that I tried to suppress the anger because anger is negatively associated Nobody really wants to feel angry, especially pertaining to myself as a black woman, because of the stereotype of the angry black woman, which has been put on to me unfairly in the past. And I know how it makes people, it entertains people and doesn't validate my own anger. I've tried to disassociate myself from it. And it is an uncomfortable emotion to feel as a black woman, especially as a black woman that was raised in the church. I'm not supposed to be angry about these things. I'm not supposed to show that I'm angry about this thing because it's, it almost feels like people would say, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't be angry about this. No, 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 no. So again, it was like I reverted back to my training as a child, not just as a black woman, but also growing up in a very christian very positive look outlook environment and i denied myself to feel my anger i think also in the same lane of not being afraid to be labeled as the um the angry black woman there was also the added trope of you know being seen as the crazy ex girlfriend you know like especially for women being labelled as hysterical and, and unrational and overly emotional, putting those two labels together of the angry black woman, the crazy ex-girlfriend, at the intersection of me being a black woman, only I, I saw and I see now that it, the aim of that was only ever to silence me from feeling and expressing how I, feel, how I felt the hurt that I was truly experiencing and I think those tropes individually and put together are ways in which we try to silence black women from really expressing how they really and truly feel because I mean as Solange said in her song mad I've got a lot to be mad about I've got a lot to rightly be mad about and I think it was you know listening to a lot of the work by Kelechi Okafor, who does the podcast, Say Your Mind, that really allowed me to lean into anger, to understand that anger is not something that I should be running away from, but actually was the key liberator for me to really understand how I was truly feeling. But anyway, I'm jumping a bit too fast. But as I said, I was restraining myself with denial and anger, I was restraining myself and I was policing my emotions, which was not helpful at all. And I didn't understand that trying to mediate and be rational with something that was extremely painful and was not something that could be easily put in a nice box for other people was not helpful at all. I was prioritizing other people and not prioritizing myself and I was deteriorating and it took a lot of therapy. (laughs) It took a lot of therapy and a lot of introspective conversations with myself to notice, understand, and accept that. And this is lesson one. Heartbreak is grief. Heartbreak is grief. Now, if you were listening to what I said I highlighted that the two most prevalent emotions that I was feeling during that time was denial and anger. Denial and anger are two of the main stages of grief. And I remember when my therapist said, you, Sarah, are grieving. And I was like, eh? Uh, you know, 2 plus 2 is 4. 5 plus 5 is 10. What is this? What are you talking about? I thought, I was like, what? It doesn't make sense. But as Dr. Robinson breaks down in episode 31 of Therapy for Black Girls podcast, she explains that although grief is linked with bereavement, death, etc., grief is actually our response, the human response to loss. And even more uncommonly known, grief is our response to change. So in the episode, she talks about um, an individual that moves. They still go through a process of grieving because they have lost the place that they once were, the home that they once had. And also they have to now adjust and adapt to a new environment that is not yet comfortable. And when I fully understood that I was grieving it allowed me to really feel and really be introspective with myself and actually have really, really deep, dark conversations with myself. I guess so I'm telling you lesson one is that if you right now listening to this podcast are going through heartbreak or going through any type of loss or change, know that you're grieving, so feel it. Don't police yourself. And I, I especially want to target this towards black women because I know society really tries to make it seem like we need to be unfeeling beings and we're policed and we are monitored through every little thing that we do. And I just want you to know that you should feel it. Feel it in its intensity. It doesn't matter what other people say. Focus on you. Feel it. It hurts. You are hurting. Feel it. And as you're feeling it, as my sister always says to me, feel your feelings but don't live in them. As you're feeling them, feeling these different emotions, these confusing and downright uncomfortable emotions in its intensity, what conversations... What questions are these triggering? Where are these emotions coming from? And start to have conversations with yourself because that is where it led me. Feeling my anger allowed me to ask myself why anger was the only emotion that let me feel validated. What was I saying to myself? Or what was I saying to others that meant I didn't feel validated in the hurt that I was experiencing? Asking myself those questions led me to see my denial and it also led me to see how hurt I really was and it led me to see that I had sacrificed myself which leads me to lesson number two. The importance of knowing thyself. Which is not just a Drake song but it's also a rep- an important reminder for our day-to-day life. The biggest loss that I experienced was not just the loss of a primary bond, a best friend. It was the loss of myself. And I missed her. I missed who she could have been. I missed the girl that I was becoming before I sacrificed myself for a relationship. And I think it's important to bring up and to note that we... We never really stress the importance of self and self-love in romantic partnerships, especially for women. And I remember, and I believe I said this in the episode where I talk with my sister about love and relationships and jigsaw puzzles, which again, you can listen to. I think it's episode five. I remember saying that a girl that I know at the beginning of my relationship said, be careful, guard yourself have time for yourself. And I look at it now and I see that, I see that she was telling me, warning me not to lose myself. And I remember again, as I say in the episode, I dismissed it. I said, never going to happen to me. Never going to be me, baby. I know myself. I'm very confident. And I was very confident. But along the way, I began to chip away at myself and sacrifice myself for another person. And it's interesting because in the months since that, the breakup, I've had conversations with many women and all of us seem to have like very similar experiences. It's almost like verbatim, the similar experiences that we've all had. It's, it's really freaky. We are all individual women with differences in our personalities. We had different partners at one point. The only common denominators is that it didn't work out. We lost ourselves. And I don't know about you, if you're sitting there scratching your head and thinking, What? What? That doesn't make sense. How are all these women losing themselves in relationships? And I would like to say patriarchy. The answer is patriarchy. Like that's it. Full stop. The case closed. Like end of the TED Talk. Thank you for coming. Patriarchy. Societal expectations, etc., etc., etc. As a young girl growing up. And as women in general, growing up in this world, in this society that privileges men over women, we are discouraged from being self-assertive from very early. We are taught to be passive. We're rewarded for being passive. We are taught to serve our husbands and generally all men. We are encouraged to be selfless. But let me ask you this question. To be selfless does not mean and should not mean that you erase yourself. And I had to take responsibility for the fact that I allowed myself, I sacrificed myself for somebody else. I had to take responsibility. That's on me. That's on me. I did that. But at the same time, in taking responsibility, I also had to apply grace and acknowledge that those were the decisions that I made in that moment with the information and the knowledge that I knew then. And now, as a different person, as somebody who has looked at that relationship in in retrospective, in depth, I see what I did and I see where my mindset was going and I understand why I did the things that I did there were several different factors that I'm not going to share but I guess if you are finding yourself in this similar space investigate investigate why are you becoming a different person is this change good is it bad? Do you remember who you are? Damn, that sounded really deep. <laughs> um, but I remember when I kind of admitted to my therapist and I said, yeah, I'm going to bring up my therapist a lot because one, therapy is helpful. Two, therapy during a breakup, godsend. Even if you aren't experiencing heartbreak, please, please go to therapy. Therapy is so helpful. It was the best, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Therapy was amazing. It changed my life. It changed, it really helped me to become, me? Why did I say that with a question mark? No, 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 no. It really helped me, let's say this with confidence this time, it really helped me To become me. But yeah, sorry. uh, That was a digressing point. I remember my therapist telling me that the journey of remembering myself, of rebuilding myself, would be fulfilling. And honestly, I looked at this woman and I said, are you on crack? Madam, madam. Are you on crack? Are you on crack? But she was right. She wasn't on drugs. She was right. She was correct. 100%. 150%. The journey of remembering myself, of rebuilding myself, of having these conversations with myself, these deep, hard conversations with myself, was so fulfilling, even though it was downright hard. It helped me to realise and be confident in saying I love myself and I don't think I've ever been in this space where I've truly loved myself like I really do love myself I think I deserve the world honestly I stare at myself in the mirror and I smile I laugh at my own jokes because I think I'm hilarious I take myself out on dates I'm learning my love languages and I'm loving myself with them Because before I was applying my love languages to other people to get their validation, to get their approval, to make them know that they were loved and cared for. And I was neglecting myself, but no more. Now I'm loving myself. Editing Sarah here just wanted to give a quick point because I just realized that there was a really good point I should have said. And I didn't say sorry about the quality of my microphone, but When you are able to love yourself and apply your love languages to yourself, you love other people better. It's the same saying of if you can't love yourself, how do you love other people? You are able to love other people. Don't get me wrong. If you don't love yourself, you can love other people, but it's not effective. It's not effective at all. And I chipped away and I had to chip away at the hard parts, at the parts that I had labelled as ugly or hide those away. Nobody wants to see that. I confronted those and I'm still confronting them. I'm still confronting them. It's a daily battle. Whoa, it's a daily battle, but I'm doing the work. And I became comfortable in saying, as Eartha Kitt once said, I am falling in love with myself. And perhaps one day I will find someone to share that with. But for now, I have me. And I'm comfortable with me. And I'm not going to compromise who I am. At my essence, at my core. For somebody else. I'm getting to know me. On the good days and the bad days. I'm trying to be more responsible, more honest with myself and with others. I'm trying to be, take more accountability. It's hard. It's really hard. Because sometimes, again, we revert back to our training when we're put in pressured environments. There are so many times where I catch myself just lying or putting on this fake facade and saying I'm okay when I know that I'm not. And... I have to force myself to kind of like backtrack and be like, I know I said I was fine before, but I'm not. I know I said it was okay that you did that thing to me, but it's not okay. And I'm not okay with what you said or with what you did. And And learning to to not let people walk all over me, which leads to lesson number three. I think a lot of people think that when you go for a breakup, you automatically hate love. You're like, oh, those couples hate them, which, yes, I sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do hate couples that I see walking down the street. I think a lot of people think that when you go for a breakup, yeah, you're supposed to hate love. You're supposed to... be angry at love but I found myself in recent months leaning into love and what it means and what it is and asking love hard questions and I remember again I'm a podcast listener. I mean, I have my own podcast. I love listening to other people's podcasts. But like, I remember listening to a podcast and I will again link it below and remember these guys just talking about how multifaceted love is and that it's not linear and that it's not straightforward and that there are several different kinds of love. And I remember them talking about, you know, the Greek seven different types of love. And let me list them for you. There's Eros, which is a passionate love. Pragma, which is an enduring love. Ludus, which is like a playful, childish love. Agape, which is a universal, divine, godly love. There's Fila, which is a deep friendship kind of love. There's the self love one, but I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm not even going to try. There's Storge. Storge? Store? Store? Girl, don't embarrass yourself. I tried, okay? It's the try that counts, okay? Um, It looks like the word storage, but it's not storage. It's without the A. Storage without the A, which is a, f- <laughs> which is a familial type of love. And then there's mania, which is an obsessive love. And learning about the different types of love I It also led me to really trying to understand what love is, which for Christians, I guess the first point, the first point of contact, not first point of contact, but like as a Christian led me to, come on guys, we all know it, even if you're not a Christian, I feel like it's very well known, especially at weddings, led me to First Corinthians 13. Which is, you know, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no records of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And... It also led me to kind of reading more about love, which led me to buying Bow Hooks' All About Love. And if I can find it, girl, if you can find it. And within the first chapter, Bow Hooks is literally like, we need to define love. And she says, We need to define love because imagine how much easier it would be for us to learn how to love if we began with a shared definition. She continues to define love and say, I spent years searching for a meaningful definition of the word love and was deeply relieved when I found one in in Psychiatrist M. Scott Peck's classic self-help book, The Road Less Travelled, first published in 1978. He defines love as the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Explaining further, he continues, love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love, we choose to love. Since the choice made Since the choice must be made to nurture growth, this definition counters the more widely accepted assumptions that we love instinctively. She also then goes on to say that to truly love, we must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment and trust, as well as honest and open communication and She just, the whole chapter just makes you think differently about love because I think a lot of people care about different individuals. I know that people that have said that they loved me in the past simply cared about me and didn't actually truly love me. And I think that love is a very uncomfortable concept to really grab our heads around to wrap our heads around. But leaning into love, reading, you know, reading sections of the Bible that are about love, about God's love, agape, reading bell hooks is all about love, listening to podcasts about love, loving myself, allowed me to see that I was surrounded by love. I am surrounded by love. And it can be really easy in this dark world that hates love not to lean into it. And I have had every excuse in the past couple of months to turn away from love and to lean into the world's interpretation of love and all the different things that it connotes and... and the ambiguity of love. It's so easy for me. It would have been so easy and it would have been understandable for me to do that. But I've leaned into love. I've leaned into it. Because it's so fascinating. Love is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And let me not lie. Yes, it is wonderful and it's amazing. And I've seen that even though I have lost the Eros type of love, the Ludus type of love, even though I've lost that and I'm grieving the loss of that. I still have love around me, surrounding me. I have, you know, love of my friends, especially my long-term friends and they know exactly who they are that enduring love, like you're my girls for life and if you're listening to this you know exactly who you are, you know agape, leaning into the love of, of God who I believe in or whoever the divine is to you, leaning into self-love, leaning into familial love and it's like this really weird bittersweet feeling because you appreciate it so much more because you've lost it. You've lost a type of love, but you've gained so much more love that was always there, but I never appreciated before. And it's so sad that I had to go through a process of losing someone, of grief, of immense pain, to appreciate the people around me. And let me tell you this, I don't think, I don't think, because somebody did ask me, they said to me, they said, Sarah, so did you, do you think that this heartbreak, this breakdown that you had, this grieving season that you had, do you think it was necessary to get to where you are now, to speak so highly about love, to speak so highly about a relationship that didn't work? Is, was it necessary? Was it necessary for you to experience that? And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It is not necessary for you to go through loss, trauma, heartbreak, all of the above, a sudden hurtful change for you to be able to find yourself and to appreciate love and to go on a journey of choosing love. It's not necessary. As Bao Hook said, love is a choice. Choosing yourself is a choice. It is a choice which is presented to you no matter your circumstances whether you're in a good place or unfortunately in a bad place it is your choice to choose love I've learned a lot but I think with the lessons that I want to give to you guys it is number one heartbreak is grief so remember that you're grieving And it's okay to feel how you feel. Number two, it is the importance of knowing yourself. For whether you are single or in a relationship, please have time for yourself, have space for yourself, know yourself, learn yourself. And number three, love is multifaceted and beautiful. And amazing. And and it is a choice. That was long. That was a very long episode. And it required me to be very vulnerable. And I'm okay with that. Because I feel like what I've said is honest. And what I've said is true. And maybe in a couple of months time. I will want to recant or... Explain something more or yeah or something else but I just want you to know there is love on the other side. You'll make it. Keep going. Don't give up. So what are your lessons from heartbreak? Girls share with me share with me, let me know, I'm really intrigued to know and let me know by following Miseducate on social media, the links will be in the description below. Also don't forget to catch up on blog posts at miseducateblog.com and add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on the new posts that come out. And let me tell you this, let me tell you something, let me tell you something, I'm really trying to add more content to the blog so like keep your eyes peeled and hold me accountable okay hold me accountable I've said it on this podcast I have to I have to commit to it and also as I said check out the description for resources referenced in this episode and continue to watch read listen educate and then re-educate yourselves thank you so much for listening to this episode all the way to the end thank you if you have already for streaming my song I am so thankful you are a true one and also make sure to rate review and share this podcast with a friend and a friend and another friend if you know anyone that's going through heartbreak and needs this send them a link to this episode and tune in next time for another discussion on the miss Educate podcast and bye from the other side